It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon once again from JCW's in Provo, Utah. For the Coordinator's Corner, Mondays, noon to 1 with you here on ESPN 960, BYU Radio, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Two of BYU's three coordinators every week. It's our second-to-last show of the season. It's our last show with Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach. Coach E joining us for the final time. We are at the end of the year already for you. And we get to end it on a, on a positive note. Nice W on the weekend. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 31-21, BYU over UNLV. We talked a lot about Vegas last week. Uh, a couple of really sturdy quarterbacks, big and strong, good runners, a 1,000-yard rusher, uh, a legendary receiver in Devontae Boyd. Good weapons, and you guys kept them uh, under control and, and win it by 10. Yeah, it was, it was it was good. I mean, obviously, going in, they... They were uh, top 20 in the country in rushing, so we want to stop the run. And they ripped off a couple of long runs, but uh, we're able to keep them. I think if we were to take away one of them, the, the longest one, 35-yarder, it was just just a miscue by, by a D-tackle and a backer. We would have kept them under 100, which is always our goal. Even though that big run happened, uh, on the day, 3.6 yards per rush. And this is for a team, you mentioned tw- top 20 in, in, in rushing. They were 10th nationally in yards per carry. You kept them to 3.6. And nationally on the year, you guys are at 3.86 defensively, and that's top 40 nationally. Good place yeah. to be. No, it's a really, really good outing. I mean, the, D- the D-line, we challenged them from the Fresno game, at least in the last last little bit. And and uh, I thought they played well in the backers as well. They like to go to one guy primarily, Lexington Thomas, number three. He's small. But Manny packs punch, good cut, and again, 1,000 yards on the season coming in. Gets loose a couple of times for the most part, though. You had a handle on him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was a really good runner. Um, the good, good scheme that they run for their O-line as well as their running back. And, you know, got us, got us one time on just the quarterback pull on, on our read zone. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's, it's pretty solid. Not yeah, bad. They only went with one quarterback. Armani Rogers was available, but they just used Stanton and uh, pretty much uh, contained him well. Yeah, as not, a runner, not, as, as a runner, yeah, as a runner, not you know, let uh, a couple of big plays early, and then um, really just in the last probably two or two two or three series, um, gave up gave up uh, you know a couple of big big passes that um, really when we go back and watch it is really just a matter of just technique and guys playing with eyes and just little things like that. So on the day, uh, Vegas earns 447 yards, but just 21 points. You'll take the points over yards any day. Oh, no doubt, most most important stat in football the score <laughs> and if the offense can not turn it over and there were zero giveaways on friday you guys are plus two the last one kind of seals the deal with fred but the pick when it came was big and let's get to that in a second but plus two in the margin um again another good way to win a game yeah no it, it was good you know we always with that many with that many passing yards um you know, offenses can't sustain drives. We can we can come up with some of those, and so we we ended up missing a couple of, of uh, routine picks. I guess it would, you'd call them. Um, you know, if we come around, come over with those and a couple of tip balls that we would have uh, been able to come up with, I think we're, we we would have had uh, you know three or four picks. But uh, it, it was good that. Fred ended up with that one. Um, thought he got robbed on the touchdown. Yeah, the touchdown. had they reviewed it, had they wanted to review it, they might have said he scored. Because yeah. he did. It looks like he did. Yeah, but it was just 
look like a jerk. You're winning, and the game's over, and you're going to go and review it. Yeah. <laughs> Had it been a different situation, they would have looked at it closely oh, no and, and yeah. found out. But it was uh, not identical to, but similar to the Boise State one last year where he's down the sideline and right. stretches for the pylon and, right. and, uh, and similar-looking play. So we'll talk with Ty about the Joe Critchlow part of the equation. Joe and the offense got out to a, a slower start. I think BYU had 17 yards in the first quarter, but no points allowed. And the game starts for you guys um, forcing a field goal miss, a punt, and then an INT after a 15-play, 79-yard drive. Getting out of that first quarter with nothing allowed, uh, I thought was uh, almost like winning the quarter for you guys. That, that was it was huge. Uh, Zane came down with the pick at the last, at the end of it. That was a long drive. You know, they were able to get some big plays and seven minutes plus. It. Yeah, and they did did a great job just keeping themselves in in third and short. And I think they might have went for it on a fourth down in that drive, uh, which which was you know high percentage for them and the way that they run the ball. Um, but uh, huge, huge for Jane, for Zane to come away with that one and got uh, got got some pressure by the D line in that in that exact play as well. He makes the pick. What else does he do well leading up to it that you really like? And you went back and watched that play. The great tackle. Zane is a great tackler. He's a, he's a good player for us and um, really come a long way. Being you know being in the shadow of, of Kai Nakua last year, getting his chance this year, and really going through the growing pains of just you know being being a young player. Um, he's come a long way, and we're excited about him and just just to have him for another year. Was that a pretty uh, uh, pretty standard-looking play in terms of getting the pick, or did he do anything special on it to read it right and get to get to read it? He, he played really really good technique. You know, he challenged he challenged and and uh, got underneath the ball. He undercut it, but uh, we were we were in a man defense, and you know we expect our safeties to, to cover man to man as well. And so he did a really good job and and uh, came came away with it. It's just a matter of getting a little pressure on the quarterback, making making the quarterback move his feet, and and uh, a guy playing really really good defense so it kept, it kept it zero zero you guys open on top in the second quarter and then get to halftime with the lead and as we talked off the air uh is a really good team when playing from ahead and uh and taking that lead into the locker room was key for you guys on friday yeah yeah i, I did not know that stat that you that you told me off air but uh i mean just shows how important it is for us to get off to a good start right away so uh we mentioned zane's pick fred warner's pick he doesn't end up with a ton of numbers on Friday, but I thought it was one of Sionaitaki Taki's better games again. I thought he was a real handful for them. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's disruptive as a player, and I think every week he can be a, uh, a disruptor. Uh, did a really good job. Thought Corbin had a really good game. Yep. I mean, Corbin had a good game, and Kyrus might have had, a, had his best game, um, which was coming off the Fresno game where it was his worst game. I thought, I thought it was good. He responded. and and uh, But the DNs, I mean, the DNs do a good job, and I trust the other guys, too, to come in and, uh, Lagny Tuifuol came in with the limited snaps that he had was just really disruptive. And so thinking about just giving him more opportunities to come in and, and uh, you know, the, the better that those guys do, then the more we can rest the other guys and just keep them all fresh and keep them rotating. But, uh, you know, Trajan Peely does a good job yeah. as well when he comes in. There was a play, I think it's I think it's second half, and, and I do think Lexington Thomas picks up a first down on the run, but he comes to the near sideline and Kyrus comes down the line and makes the tackle on the sideline. Again, I think the first down is gained, but to see a guy that big from that spot make the tackle on the sideline, you don't see that a lot, and especially from a guy that size to move that quickly, and Thomas was feeling it when he got up. It was yeah. slow to get up. <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he's a load. He's a big kid, but, you know, like we, we, we've told uh, about his past. He played tight end in high school, and so in his mind he still runs like a tight end, and, I mean, it's great for us because you get a guy that, you know, 340, 
don't know if he's 340, he might be more, but, um, you know, running that well and, and playing that physical, I mean, it's it's a big, big deal for us, and he's, he's obviously going to have a bright future for us. So when I was making that play-by-play call, immediately, I just immediately, yeah, I'm alarmed because the nose tackle doesn't make that kind of tackle. Did right. it stand out to you when you go back and look at it? Is that just Kyrus being t- Kyrus, or was that just a, an exceptional play in your mind? It, it was both. I mean, it was an exceptional play, but, but uh, I think it just shows what he's capable of and uh, when he's playing well and reacting to, to blocks and just uh, getting knocked back and doing all the things that that he's coached to do he can he can make those um those really really good plays routine you brought up corbin and he ends up with a, a, a sack i think a sack in the game mm-hmm. and other numbers of note how has he come along from game one to game 11 at that spot for you he's come a long ways and he works really really hard at it um you know he gets in and gets extra lifting and make sure that he's eating the right things and so he's getting bigger get more physical and playing playing a lot better with his hands and um, I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy because he's got he's got a lot of tools a lot of people don't have, and and he works hard at it. You know, he's just he doesn't just show up and do football from, you know, whenever he's in the building, but he's doing football outside on his own and works hard at it. Corbin and Sione are back for you, right mm-hmm. next year. Yep. Uh, Kyrus is back for you. The guys we're talking about are still playing for you for for some time to come. That's a positive. Yep. Yep. Get those guys back and uh, get a couple of guys back like Vitas from surgery and these young pups that are coming up are are going to be. Uh, Really fun to coach. Future looks bright. Coming up later in the show, we'll have uh, your questions for Coach E. Coach Elisa Tuiaki, D-line coach and defensive coordinator. Use the hashtag CCBYU. If you're on Twitter now, use the hashtag CCBYU and use that to fire in a question for Coach Tuiaki. We've got more Coordinator's Corner coming up after the break. We're live at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new spin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back into JCW's Coordinator's Corner till 1 o'clock. Coach Ty Detmer coming up in the second half hour. BYU picks up its third win of the year, 31-21 at UNLV on Friday. It's home to UMass on Senior Day for the Cougars. Coach Elisa Tuiaki, D-line coach and defensive coordinator with us for this half hour. Big plays have been something you've done a pretty good job um, keeping to a minimum this year against you. Looked it up yesterday. Uh, there are only 10 FBS teams that allow fewer plays of 20-plus yards per game than BYU. So you're very highly ranked in that. There's a value in, in keeping things closer to the line of scrimmage and not letting the big go- ball get against you. You've been good at that pretty much all year. Yeah, and that's that's been one of our goals from last year all the way carrying into this year. It's, uh, you know, limit big plays as well as get takeaways. And we haven't been as good getting takeaways. I think a lot of times we're we're playing, uh, you know, from behind, which people are just running the ball and they're more cautious. But uh, when we're playing from ahead, it allows us to pass rush a little bit more and and uh, forces people to pass the ball, which which uh, creates takeaways. Schedule may be a bit of a factor here, too, but I think you had five takeaways in the first six games. I think you've got 11 in the last five, so more than two a game, closer to your preferred average of three. Right, right. Yeah, um, they've been doing a better job and just, you know, little things. A tip ball here, you know, a guy playing uh, playing, the, playing uh, the technique the right way, and just uh, things, things start coming together that way. But also, I think, uh, you know, just... Being in games, a little bit more competitive games, are always allows for us to, on defense at least, to get, get more takeaways. We broke down Zane's INT in the last segment, and Zane was your defensive player of the game for UNLV? He was. Zane did a really good job. Great tackler. I mean, just did a great job. Came away with that one uh, interception and uh, played solid all, all around the whole game. Micah Hanneman uh, made some plays. Uh, nine tackles, seven solo stops, tackle for lost. 
force fumble, pass broken up. So both safeties made plays. And then your corners, there were a lot of yards against you, uh, but there were plays being made there as well. Chris Wilcox had a couple of pass breakups. Let's let folks know about how the corners are performing beyond just the straight yardage standpoint. Yeah, you know, they're um, just telling you off the air. My, my brothers came over. Uh, you know, we sat down, hung out, and they asked me. I'm just frustrated about all the big plays that were given up. And, you know, with the, with the type of defense that we play and uh, – uh, the things that we're asking the corners to do, especially with playing, making people really throw it up the up the sidelines, right? Um, that's what we're trying to do: stop the run, keep them under 100. If a team throws for 300, then we expect to get three takeaways. So, you know, at least one takeaway every 100 yards. Okay. Because when you're forcing people to throw the ball up the sidelines, they're 50-50 balls. Then obviously they're going to come down with some. They're going to come down with some. We're going to come down with some, and we're okay with that. We don't feel like the teams can sustain drives if we're taking the ball away. Um, even if they're, th- they're throwing for that much. So you can throw for 300 and still lose. You end up rushing for a bunch um, and not throwing for that much, then you can still win is the way that we feel. And so it stopped the run, um, really challenge in the, the way the corners and safeties are playing man-to-man and making quarterbacks beat you. And I think that um, when we went back and watched the film and, and – uh, it's just technique. I mean, just little little te- technical things. But we're, I, we feel like we're really close, those corners playing the way that we want, which is a really aggressive man, man coverage type deal and forcing those. I mean, you know, the, they extended a play on fourth and ten, throwing the ball and just uh, getting a, a P.I. On, on Chris. And he was he was so close to either intercepting it or just playing really good defense. And it's just a matter of him turning at the right time. And, and uh, I mean, it could have could have gone either way as far as whether they threw it or not. And so um, we want to stay aggressive. We want to we want to continue to teach those boys that sometimes I mean offenses are good right they'll, they'll they're still going to complete the ball but we want to we want to be aggressive in the way that we we play in stopping the run as well as just making them throw it up the sideline I and mean, those are are we feel are the the balls that are that are uh, you know less less frequently com- completed and uh, with that being said, I mean, they're, they're close. They're really close, and it's hard because I know a lot of people you know, giving them a hard time and, you know, all the big plays at the end, which is true. we got to play better, but at the same time, there's a lot of strides that we're making with that group, with a specific group of the cornerbacks. And you've got some corners back next year as well, too. We do. I mean, Chris, Chris comes so – you know, uh, Travion Green right now is is where Chris was last year, and Chris right now is farther ahead. And we've got two more years with Chris, and uh, you know, with the the type of athlete that he is, how fast he is. I mean, we feel like he's a big time player. And you just, we just gotta. I mean, that's the recruiting philosophy as far as going out and getting fast kids that might be a little, uh, you know, not the best player on their team in high school, but the kid with the most projection as far as tall kids that can run. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Chris fits that. Travion fits that. Travion was a receiver. You know, Chris played safety, and so those guys don't have very much experience playing corner, but they can do what we ask, which is be in the way and be long and run. And so as they continue to, you know, we refine them and just get them where they need to be, we feel like they're, they're two big-time corners. I mean, one's redshirting right now that played quarterback. And so it's just, you know, long athletes that can run are the ones that fit into our into our defense. Who's the one redshirting? Uh, Keenan Ellis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that fourth down P.I. call, and interesting that uh, – the catch was actually made, which I didn't see initially. I thought it was actually out of bounds on the boundary. They ended up declining the P.I. because mm-hmm. the guy made the catch. It was a heck of a grab. It was. It was. I mean, 
they're, they're going to make their – when we have to, as a defense, be realistic about it, right? Like, they're going to make their plays. We're also going to make our plays, get get a couple of PBUs, and that's why PBUs for us falls under um, a disruptive. big play. Dis- yeah, yeah, disruptive yeah. because PBUs are huge for us in the way that we play defense as well as – I mean, some of those balls in the past few in the past games, as well as in the ones the one that we just played, there's a couple of balls up there that need to be picked, and they need to, we need to come down with them, and uh, we're just you know uh, technique away from it, or just a, you know a youth youth away from from just being a team that people don't want to test down the sideline anymore. And right now, um, we've got to match that up with the D front, which right. those guys too, you know, are still getting to the point where we've got to kind of sync it up, you know. Corners know they can play a little bit more aggressive because the D line's going to get there and they have the clock in head. And it's just like, okay, ball's got to be out, you know, anytime now. Right now, we're not at that point. The D line rush has got to get better, um, you know, getting big, big dudes like Kyrus and, and uh, DNs that have a little bit more experience with that. It's going to be, but also just playing ahead, right? Have, having a lead and having the opportunity to rush the passer is, is uh, always allows you that. Okay, more tackles for loss uh, per game would be a goal moving forward. Uh, one quick thing before the break. Uh, and, uh, well, we'll wait till the next segment. We'll come back to the next segment. We'll do a hashtag CCBYU. Your questions for Coach Elisa Tuiaki as we continue. The Coordinator's Corner, JCW's in Provo, on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach Ty Detmers coming up in the second half hour. It's our last segment for this show and for the season with Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's D-line coach and defensive coordinator here on the Coordinator's Corner. BYU a 31-21 winner at UNLV last Friday. Cougs now 3-8, and eight, home to UMass on Saturday for Senior Day. Haven't done a quick uh, check of this, but seniors you're losing from the, off- from the defense this year come to mind? Mm. Micah's, I guess, one, right? Micah's one uh, that's starting, and then at the deep front we got uh, we lose Handsome and Kesney, and then Fred will be and Fred Fred will be gone. Yep, and that's uh, I think that's it. The main number that's it's not a ton. That's a that's a positive thing for for seasons yeah. to come is you don't lose too many seniors. But Fred's a big loss, and uh, Fred ends up with that INT at the end of the game we alluded to earlier. Uh, what do you have to replace? When he takes off after this year, next year, just a really, really savvy ball player, you know. And he's big. I mean, he he, he should be playing in the box, and I think that's going to be his natural position at the next level. But um, because he was just a, a freak athlete, I mean, we used him out there like a nickel, pretty much, and does a really good job covering. Is a great blitzer. I mean, just does everything well. So Fred will be sorely missed. Uh, Butch comes back, and who else will kind of help uh, fill up that uh, linebacker core next year? Uh, so we get Adam back. Adam Pulsford comes back as well. Who's starting right now? Who's starting right now? Yeah. Um, I got to think off the top of my head. I mean, well, all Matt the guys Hadley, that are rotating. If Matt Hadley gets back, we'd see stay yeah, linebacker, we, we, wouldn't we he? We expect Matt Hadley to come back, and he's going to end up being at the bow backer spot as well, where Adam Pulsford is. So Adam was a backup Mike backer uh, when when Matt was playing, and and uh, when Matt when Matt got hurt, then we moved Adam over. Isaiah Kofusi. Isaiah Kofusi is going to have another year under his belt. Um, you know, Kuzi Tapasol right now is playing. He's back up. Um, is Chaz going on a mission, and is he going to stay a linebacker? Do you Ch- think? Chaz is planning on going on a mission, okay. and uh, I think he, so. We we think that he's the future at where Fred was, you know, basically a big safety that can come down and play playbacker, and so um, he, he's exactly the same mold as, as Fred. Um, not as big, but but exactly the same guy. And then there, there's a couple of redshirt guys that uh, we feel are going to be really good. You know, Will Sedgwick, um, kid that we got. Uh, uh, 
Christian Folau that that uh, went Sorry. on a mission, signed him at Oregon State, was committed to Stanford for a while. He's he he comes off of retro as well as well as Garrett England, who was playing yeah. safety and we moved him, and he's going to end up being a flashbacker as well. Just same mold as Fred. As Fred. Okay, we haven't seen Chaz play a lot this year. Has he shown you enough? Oh yeah, yeah. Chaz uh, Chaz is definitely capable. He just happened to be backing up Fred yeah. <laughs> and that that was a deal and so I mean, it was too bad we ended up losing in Mississippi State and you know hopefully we can get him either this week or next week just to get a little more experience but he's uh, he's definitely a player okay this last game you guys allow 21 you can win a lot of games allowing only 21 points provided the offense does its job and they really did this past week and they score 31 with a new starter at quarterback let's give some props and have you take a look what the offense did that helped you guys out uh, on Friday with a new quarterback yeah it's it's a it's a different game on defense when the offense is clicking i mean um like i said playing playing from ahead instead of playing from behind and also i think you know just just the kids on the side i have a little bit more faith about um you know going out there and getting the ball back and making stops and feeling like you know the offense is going to get out there and, and do their thing and which which joe did and i thought he did a phenomenal job i haven't i don't watch film on the offense right. but just uh, on the sideline was really excited about that and you know squally did a really good job running the ball and and uh man it's it, offense looked good they were clicking yeah uh as someone who defends a lot of running backs, Squally Canada as a running back, the last two weeks at least, is kind of a different guy, running more aggressively, more fiercely, and the numbers speak for themselves. It was a huge night for him on Friday. Yeah, yeah, done a good job breaking tackles. I mean, that's it's one thing when you just take the yards that the O-line gives you. It's another thing when you can you can break tackles on your own and, and get more yards. And that's always, I think, a sign of a good running back is uh, you make the O-line look good. Uh, you know, when they end up messing up blocks, you can make a guy miss, but also just taking more yards than what you're giving from the whole line. Certainly, your guys are going to are going to want to play with maximum effort every game, no matter who the opponent or what the situation. But with a new quarterback in, knowing that there was a freshman starting and a freshman backing up, did the defense feel a little more of an incentive or an onus to make sure that um, that this game doesn't get lost on our end, that we help the offense out a little bit with, with a new starter? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's you know urgency for us to, to really get off the field as well as try to get the ball back and give it to them. And, um, you know, but uh, there, there's a lot of momentum. I just, I think as, as a whole, a whole team on the sideline with, when Joe started to have some success and they're running the ball effectively, I mean, just scoring and going down and, and also just his personality. I mean, he's on the sideline really geeked up about everything and, and it was, uh, it was fun to be around. How much do your guys know Joe at this point? I don't know that. <laughs> I mean, they, everybody knows, you know, everybody knows everybody, but as far as just uh, our crossover with each other, um, I, I I don't know who's his be, who his best friend is. What's your sense of him? With. You know, he's a kid with moxie. He's he's uh, really really confident. He's uh, you know just from the times that we've gone crossover and, and faced him on defense. I mean, when he makes mistakes, I mean, really hard on himself. Um, but also, I mean, a, a kid that seems like he's got a lot of command of just the offense of of guys respect. And uh, you know, feeling like he 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 needs to be accountable to his mistakes as well. And I I think he's going to be a really really good player. Um, and I think that he's got what it takes as far as just the way that he is, his personality, the way he carries himself. I I, I really like the kid. We'll get a QB's perspective on uh, Joe with Ty Detmer coming up in the next half hour. You guys came into the UNLV game two and eight. Okay, you're three and eight now. We know what's not going to happen this year, but there are some good things that can still happen for you. And I would think that a celebration to get to three and eight. It's still a meaningful one. And when you guys get to the locker room, you guys let yourself enjoy it because that's a reward for um, a team that's had its share blows against it this year. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, no, we did. And, you know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I think it was, uh, I think after our fifth loss in a row, um, you know, we were in the office and, and Reno comes up to me. He's like, you said it last year that wins are hard to come by. 
He's like, I didn't, I didn't really know what you're talking about until now. I was like, dude, college football—it's hard to win. You know, everybody's out there gunning, everybody's got their schemes, and everybody's recruiting their their tails off. And and uh, to pull a win off, I mean, I think you know you got to cherish it because it's it's a uh, it, it's a hard thing to win in college football. It really is. And so, you know, big big. Uh, just big, big up to really what Bronco done in the past and, and sustaining this program. And just uh, I think what we have moving forward is, is going to be really exciting. And whether it's basketball or football, they win at a similar rate. Uh, basketball's uh, won 20 or more uh, for 12 straight seasons. Football had its 12-year bowl streak. And whether, whether it's trying to win 20 games or win 10 games in football, 20 in basketball, 10 in football, or get to a bowl game in football, yeah, there is that notion that uh, – don't take it for granted. It's hard to do, and dip years happen for a lot of programs. BYU hadn't had one until a long time until this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe it lets everyone appreciate a little more and not take for granted how much winning BYU's been doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really successful program, um, and I've known that just growing up a fan as well as just coaching against them at other programs, and BYU's done a really good job. And obviously with having a national championship back, you know, back in the in the 80s. 80s? Yep, 84. <laughs> Um, you know, th- there's a high standard, and everybody wants to get back there. And just, you know, winning nine, ten games, going to a bowl game is great. But the next step, and uh, really, especially as an independent, is seeing if you can get into the playoff, right? And um, I, I definitely believe that it, it's doable with, uh, you know, the, everything basically working for us. We stay healthy, uh, and you get the right kids in the program. I mentioned the phrase dip year, and that's, of course, the hope is this is just a year, right? And that it's uh, back to... Back to normal, I guess, right. next season. Right. Last thing, uh, UMass coming up Saturday to your place. Uh, maybe a 30-second thumbnail on the Minutemen and uh, what they do and do well. Yeah, they do a really good job um, on offense. You know, just from what we've seen, they do a good job scoring. They do a good job um, taking care of the ball. Uh, you know, he between two quarterbacks that they play, they've thrown the ball, I think, over 350 times and only thrown four picks. And so really, really efficient with the ball. And um, O-linemen are big. They do a good job. I think they're a lot like Washington State as far as their O-linemen. They're not good run blockers or maulers, but uh, they do run the ball to keep you honest, but they want to pass the ball, and they do it really, really effectively. And so, um, you know, good offense. Probably the most complex scheme that we've seen all year, and it was was the same last year. Uh, Lots of unbalance, lots of different personnels, lots of shifts, motions, and just different runs. You know, nobody really runs draw nowadays. You see one or two teams will run it one or once or twice. It's it's probably their lead lead run play, and uh, that means that they want to keep you honest and uh, throwing the ball. They want to they want to throw the ball and and just run the ball to keep you honest, just to throw the ball. But uh, really good, really good quarterback. Rough start for UMass this year, 0-6, but they have won 3-4 coming into Pro Bowl. It'll be senior day for BYU Saturday against Massachusetts. That's going to do it for our first half hour of today's show. Ty Detmer coming up in second, and the second half hour we'll talk offense. And that'll do it for Coach Elisa Tuiaki this year. So, Coach E, thanks for the season. Yeah. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, that's Coach Elisa Tuiaki on the Coordinator's Corner here on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, the second half hour of our second-to-last show of the season. Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's Mondays, 12 to 1. Next Monday is our final show. 
Already into game 12 of 13, BYU's OC and QB coach Ty Detmer with us for the second half hour. Ty, good to see you once again. You too. And good to get a win behind you coming into this week. It is. Yeah, wins are always good. 31-21. It's one of those great coaching tidbits you get. Wins are always good. Uh, 31-21 over UNLV in Vegas uh, last Friday. And uh, with a new starting quarterback, a freshman starting quarterback, and Joe and the guys, the team, got it done. They did. It was, uh, I mean, it was a great team win. We, uh, you know, played good defense, got a couple turnovers, and uh, had good field position most of the night, so that helps. And then we were able to run the ball, which took some pressure off of Joe and, and opened some things up for him in the passing game. Got a couple of turnovers, didn't give up a single one, and you win a lot of games at zero turnovers. You do, and that's that's been a focus, you know, of ours all season long. It doesn't always work out that way, but uh, that's something we stress every week, and and uh, a couple balls came out late on a play, but, um, you know, they were down by contact or whatever uh, at that point. So we uh, we avoided the turnover battle, and, uh, you know, we win, like you said, we win a lot of games when we do that. Yeah, plus two on the night and zero turnovers, a winning formula. So with a new starting quarterback and a freshman getting his first career start, um, ball security would have to be considered one of the best things to get done on that night and, and make it so it's a game he can manage. And so to get Joe out of there with zero giveaways on a night when he doesn't have to throw it 40 times was right. was really positive. It is. Uh, you know, our offensive line has played well all year, and uh, it was nice to see Squally run hard. You know, he ran through some tackles and got some extra yards for us at times. And Second good week because Fresno was a lot of the same. It was. Uh, so he's put two weeks in a row together, and, and I think confidence is high with him and, and with us with him. And so, um, you know, we may get K.J. back, which will help take some of that pressure off. But uh, Squally's done great the last couple weeks, got a great attitude, and kind of hung in there and stuck with it, and, and it's paying off for him. Now, usually on the show, I share a bunch of numbers that Ty may or may not care much, care much about. Okay, He's pretty basic in terms of what he wants to see, and he got it done with the points and the win, all right? But uh, the offensive line in the backs need uh, credit for this. BYU's fourth nationally right now in fewest tackles for loss allowed per game at 3.27. And there is a great virtue in not giving away yards or losing them on, on sacks or, or, or running back carries. And so great protection, and the backs doing their jobs too, and quarterbacks too. Yeah, you know, that, that tells you that we don't have a lot of miscommunication. Guys know where they're going. They know uh, the scheme, and, and so we're not we're not turning people loose in the backfield, and uh, they're playing with a lot of effort, and the backs do a great job of not dancing too much. Um, you know, one cut and, and downhill and get what you can get. So, um, it's you know, it's, it's nice to know that we're not giving up a lot of negative yards and, and putting ourselves in a hole in the running game. Joe Critchlow completed uh, 14 of 22 passes. Uh, modest numbers, relatively speaking, but it means he didn't have to throw a lot because the run game was going well. And it was still a decent number of yards on only 14 completions, double-digit yards per completion, which is solid. 63.6% completion rate, and that's the best mark for BYU since Taysom at West, or against West Virginia last year. So Joe's numbers were really solid for not having to throw it a ton. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the run game obviously helped him, but it also uh, he did a good job of of taking care of the football, putting it in places that only we could get, yeah. and was careful on things. When you get down in the red zone, you, you know, you're a little careful. And Aleva made a great play in the back corner of the end zone, keeping a foot in. Uh, I, I thought there was no way that ball was caught, and 
you know, but th- that's a situation where he put it high and outside, and only Eleva could catch that, and knowing that we had points on the board right before half and getting the ball again at the start of the second half. So he managed the game really well, took care of it, made some big throws in there when we needed it at times, and uh, I think it was a great building block for him and give him some confidence going forward. That HIFO play was huge, and you were not alone. I'm in that corner, and as the ball is up in the air, I'm thinking that's an overthrow. Then I see Eleva's going to get to it, but it was such a bang-bang play between catching and being out. My initial call was out of bounds. Then I see the official <laughs> signal touchdown. I'll go I'll take touchdown because right. I thought he was out. Yeah, it was uh, you know one of those things from our our viewpoint way on the far side. You know, when the ball went up, I was like, "Oh man, we threw it out of bounds." You know, you got to throw it sooner or in the red zone, get it up quicker and flatter. Yeah. And and then uh, all of a sudden, I hear him in the headset saying, "They signaled touchdown." And and then you know they saw the replay. You're waiting and like, for it, yeah. Hey, he was in. He had a foot in. That's a Crazy. touchdown. And yeah. so you know, then everybody goes nuts. And it was big because you put a two-minute drive together right there. You score, and then you're getting it the start of the second half, and we break a long run and and get another touchdown right away. It's really a 14-point swing at that point. It was seven-seven when he makes the catch. You're up 14 to seven. As I share with my listeners, uh, Kalani had not and still has not lost a game. Uh, when you guys have a halftime lead, just a halftime lead has meant good things for you guys. Yeah, well, hopefully we have a couple more of those here in the next couple games. So, um, but yeah, when, when we're playing and we kind of start fast and get things going, I think that momenti- momentum carries with us when we kind of come out and we sputter a little bit. And we even did that game. You know, we we start out, uh, you know, punting, and then the next series was three and out, and then uh, defense, you know, gets a. They miss a field goal, pushes them back, and, and uh, the game started a little slow for us, but kind of expected that with Joe and first start and kind of those first game jitters. Um, and then we settled in and were able to kind of get some things going. He hit a big pass to Micah Simon yeah. down the middle, kind of yeah. got us going. Well placed. So that, that's a big thing, too, because 17 yards uh, in the first quarter, only eight plays, only four minutes. Defense was on the field a lot in that opening quarter, but you're not losing at that point. It's a field goal miss, it's a punt, and it's an INT in the end zone. So all of a sudden you get out of the first quarter going, okay, we weren't our best offensively, but we're not behind. Let's go get it. Yeah, and I think, you know, that was kind of thing. Okay, you know, Joe settle in. Let's see if we can't get him going a little bit, hit a couple plays, and, and he did, and then uh, kind of, you know, carried over from there. We kind of got things going, a nice uh, third down conversion to Aleva. Uh, almost got it in, and yeah. uh, and then we punch it in with Braden, and that kind of settled everything down. All the guys, the sideline, uh, I know it settled Joe down a little bit and, and got him into the game. So that was a good drive to, to kind of kick things off for us. All right, so break time. Coming up after this, we'll talk about uh, Joe Critchlow's preferred targets in the UNLV game, how well those two guys have played particularly as we talk about that game and look ahead to UMass. Ty Detmer with us on the Coordinator's Corner. We're at JCW's in Provo on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football. Facebook Live back in a bit. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, to BYU 31, UNLV 21. Last Friday night's score in Las Vegas. BYU stays undefeated all time against UNLV in that stadium now 9-0. A lot of good things to hit with Coach Ty Detmer here on the coordinator's corner. Uh, 14 passes completed by Joe Critchlow, and 11 of them go to Hefo and Bushman. Aleva was targeted nine times, six catches. Matt targeted five times, five catches. So he knew where he wanted to go. Two pretty reliable guys. Yeah, you know, the type of defense they were playing and a lot of two high looks and cover two where they're clouding the outside guys and uh, that leaves the middle with some space and uh, obviously Aleva and, and Matt are kind of in they that work. area yeah. and, and uh, we're able to get some, some 
completions with them, and, and they did a good job of running after the catch on a few of them as well. So um, that it just kind of worked out that way because of all the too high coverage we were getting, which meant more single coverage inside. Again, only 22 passes attempted because Squally's running it so well. He goes for 213 yards on 25 carries. And those are significant numbers, and they relate to each other. He had only 12 carries against Fresno, more than doubled it against UNLV, and was one of the reasons you guys won the game. Yeah, yeah. you know, when you're uh, when you're ahead in the second half and, and you're kind of playing that field position, uh, two-score game, um, you're, you're trying to run it and milk a little clock, keep the defense off the field. And so we were able to kind of get in that situation, and which means more carries for Squally, and, and uh, he did a great job with it. You know, he... He showed some endurance and, and uh, being able to, you know, carry the ball back-to-back a lot of times. And, and uh, you know, then we mixed in enough pass to kind of keep them off balance. And, and uh, you know, I thought, you know, overall offensive line played great. Squally played great. And, uh, you know, of course, Braden O'Bakery is part of that, being a lead blocker on a lot right. of those things. And got himself a score, too. Uh, BYU runs for 265 at UNLV. Kalani's now 9-2 and two at 200-plus, and BYU's win rate for years and years is great when you get uh, that many run yards. Okay, some stats here that you don't necessarily care about, but uh, I'm going to throw at you anyway. Uh, you guys had season highs against UNLV in uh, play success rate in percentage of available yards gained, in percentage of drives with two-plus first downs, and a percentage of explosive drives that have drives averaging 10 yards a play. Those are all kind of minuscule, kind of drill-it-down stats, but they all indicate an offense that's moving it consistently and and productively and not having a lot of negative plays. Yeah, that was, you know, a good thing to see. We averaged 6.3 yards per rush, which is something we kind of look at, like how's the rush efficiency of things we're doing. And and, uh, we went into the game, you know, one of our goals offensively was to have five explosives, and we had five, and then several several others that were a yard or two short you know we consider a a run of 15 yards an explosive and we had some 12 and 11s and quite a few of those which don't show up as an explosive but it's a first down and you're back on the ball with a new set of downs again so passive uh, 20 run of 15 is that how you look at it yeah yeah yeah. so we um we hit our goal of five but you know we were just short on a few others which is a good thing you know we're still uh, gaining a bunch of yards per play and and so that was important for us to to stay on track and keep those drives alive and you know unfortunately we were still only two of ten on third down so we've got room for improvement there and uh we got to be tighter in the pass game a little sharper a little miscommunication early on a couple things and and then uh you know we we chose to play conservative uh, last couple drives down there in the red zone and, and make sure we took the points and took time off the clock so you know it probably wasn't as bad as what the stats actually show um along with our red zone performance because we we took a knee and and chose not to kick a field goal in the one also. So uh, sometimes those things are deceiving. A little bit skewed there. uh, You you kind of take all that into consideration. But we can uh, can be a little tighter on third down. mentioned third down, two of ten. But of the big three I look at, third down being one, field position being another, turnover margin being the other, you win two of the three. And if you win two of the three, field position and turnover margin being the two, you're going to put yourself in really good shape. You were... Uh, it was your best starting field position of the season, your own 40. The Fred pick late helps to skew that a bit. But the bottom line is you were playing in, playing uh, with a shorter field in front of you most of the night, and that kind of stayed game long. You're also a season high 
in yards gained on first down. Average not of, average yard gain, 7.9 on first downs against UNLV. And if it's all about down and distance, you're off to a great start. It is. Uh, you know, we had the one long run by Squally, which probably skews that a little bit. But overall, I mean, we were in second and short, second and medium uh, the whole night. And so that makes your play calling a lot easier when you – when you know you can kind of dial up anything out of the playbook and, and go to another run and give yourself third and short. Right. So um, it that definitely helps as a play caller. All right, quarterback situation. The Kalani confirmed for the media this morning. Bo Hodge is done for the year, right? Yeah, he had a toe that he really injured at Utah State. And uh, then he had some time off with the concussion and the toe and and uh, thought he was back feeling pretty good. And early in that Fresno game, kind of re-injured it and, and battled through it, you know, but he – wasn't his self and uh and so you know the went and got an mri after and and kind of confirmed some things that uh it's a little more damage in there than first reported and, and first thought so we were kind of hoping you know for the best but unfortunately um he's going to be in a boot probably for the next couple weeks as well so you start the unlb game with a freshman true freshman starter and true freshman backup not sure that we can see that in the history of BYU football if we go back. That's an unusual situation to be in. So how was that week getting two rookies ready to go? Well, it was it was good. I mean, they, they both put the time in. They stayed in extra and, and, you know, were texting me, can I come watch film with you? And so, you know, they, they knew where they were at and the, the situation they're in. And and uh, they're both, you know, good young men that, that want to work at it and we want to be accountable to their teammates. And, and so, you know, we, we – felt like we could keep the scheme simple enough that you know last week that we could kind of manage it for them a little bit and help them uh with the reads and things like that so uh fortunately we're able to do that and then of course being able to run the ball took the pressure off of them but but they were they were great during practice and both uh you know got some reps and and i know cody be ready to go and and he he can't wait to get in there and (laughs) throw it around himself so uh you know it it they're good young men. They work well together, and, and we're good on the sideline with each other. So Joe Critchlow is the one. Cody Wilson is the two. Uh, Cody did, did not get in at UNLV, and that's a good thing, I guess. Uh, Joe played it so well. A uh, couple things before the break. What makes Joe go? What what's what's the what's the secret to his success? What makes him a good option for you right now at quarterback? Well, he came in and really studied the playbook and and had a good grasp of it in training camp with even with limited reps there. You know, just with uh, you know Tanner and Bo and Coy and and those guys getting a lot of the reps early. But we got him you know enough that we felt comfortable having him ready to go if needed uh, this season. And sure enough, you know we've needed him and mm-hmm. and uh, he's real conscientious, smart, bright young man that's real positive i mean you see his interview after the game yeah. it's like he's bouncing off the walls <laughs> and, and uh but that's his personality and and uh he's a fun energetic guy that carries himself well and a lot of confidence and and so you know hopefully that carries on to the rest of the group and keeps them upbeat and going in the huddle and and uh you know during the week, he's putting the time in and very conscientious. We had listeners make us aware in post game that the TV broadcast showed a lot of Coy acting as uh, kind of another coach on the sidelines there. And maybe you saw the same thing or see it anyway. You know who Coy is. Uh, what, what about that is just uh, who he is and how much can that help? Joe or Cody um, in, in what they're having to do. Well, he's he wants to coach when he's done at you know at either college level or the NFL, and and he'll be a great a great coach because he's puts the time in he sees it he understands it he's been around football his whole life yeah. and uh 
whether he's playing or been demoted or whatever, he he's just got a great attitude and he's a team guy all the way. I mean, the players love him and uh, he just is one of those guys that fits in with every group on the on the team and and uh, the guys respect him because they they know he knows the stuff and he understands it and and uh, you know he's just a great teammate and a great person to have on the sideline for me because he can kind of go and I'd, sometimes I'd like to know what he's saying because I'm not always there. It's like, now be careful what you tell guys, you know, but, uh, you, think you know, you can trust him though. Don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a great young man and puts the time into it and, and loves the team, loves being out there and, and being a part of it, whatever capacity that is. All right. Closing segment with Ty Detmers coming up next. If you have questions for Ty, send them in. We'll try and find time for you. Hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. Ty Detmer with us, BYU's QB coach and OC on the coordinator's corner. We're at JCW's and Pro on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, it's a couple of three-win teams going head-to-head Saturday. BYU home to UMass Senior Day for BYU. You're not going to be able to, to, to list them all off, but a couple of the seniors you're going to miss uh, next year that we're going to be seeing for the last time in Provo this weekend. Yeah, well, we've got five on offense, and uh, those three interior linemen, you know, you, you'll miss Tijon, Tooney, and, and Kean, and then uh, Tanner Baldery's been a guy that's just willing to do whatever he can for the team, and and then Jonah, you know, so that's our five on offense, but um, they're all great young men, and really enjoyed getting to know them and, and seeing them, you know, progress here the last couple years and and then defensively you know there's a a great group over there and obviously fred's probably the leader of that group uh talent wise and and we'll miss him for sure but um overall i mean it's it's a great group of young men that fun to be around every day and even though our record's not what we had hoped it would be um they've had a great attitude and come to work and nobody's ever hung their head and just moped and pouted they've they've bought in and and uh really you know come out each week with effort and play with pride and and uh the leaders are, are those seniors between offense and defense though fair to say more back than not back next year which is positive there is yeah that's uh kind of the light at the end of the tunnel here for this year um is we've gotten a lot of great experience from guys that, that we're going to see for another year or two and and i uh, feel like they're progressing and, and where they need to get to is coming and uh just more experience more time more time in the weight room more time on the practice field it's you know it's time with a lot of these guys but um we're excited with the group we have coming back how much is more time as coaches too uh together and with the system and getting things figured out yeah i mean we've kind of morphed and and i've learned a ton this year uh, going through you know the different quarterbacks different running backs different groups and and how to kind of manage that and try to do what's what our guys do best and morph into a different type of offense that maybe we anticipated uh coming out of fall camp so um we you know we're different than we we thought we would be and so in turn i've learned a, a lot about those things and some different concepts that you study up on and, and implement and so this off season will be big for us uh to go and and professional develop and, and pick some other coaches brains and yeah. things that they're doing to put more points on the board question coming in from uh, josh Josh Shimizu for Coach Detmer says, uh, congrats on such a gratifying win Friday. What has kept you motivated and able to weather the stress and maybe even times of doubt during this particularly rough season? Well, I think it's, for one, it's your job. But for two, it's your, uh, you know, your pride in in what you do and trying to go out there and and, uh, 
put the best product you can on the field, um, you know, to, to stay the course. And, and uh, we've got to go out and, as coaches, we've got to be positive every week and, and have our players believe in what we're asking them to do. And, and so you got to put your best foot forward every week. And, and we're always optimistic going into a game. I don't think there's any we go into saying, ah, well, let's just get through this one healthy and we'll get on to the next one. That's that's never been the case for our staff. And, and I don't believe our players either. So um, it's a, you know, it's a group concerted effort that we're you know going to be down maybe Sunday after a game a tough loss and and you can't let it carry over into Monday Tuesday or it's going to be another long week the next week you have two games left hope is to win out and finish with five wins if that happens you'll be one win shy of bowl eligibility and you'll look back probably and figure out where was that one win how could it have happened but uh, there's always I guess a lot of what ifs and and could have should haves in the course of a season yeah there's there's a few games you look back and, and are disappointed that you didn't come out on top or you know things we could have done differently and uh you know those are always going to be games that stand out whether you're 10 and 2 or or uh you know 5 and 8 or whatever it yeah. may be you you always look back at those games and say man you know we should have won that one or we we a better team than than the team we lost to and and so what do we do how do you learn from that and and try not to let that happen again but you know every year is a a new year and the ball bounces a different way every year or injuries or you know whatever it may be it it, you know it's this year's kind of been one of those years where if it's going to go wrong it it has uh, to some point and uh you know it's as coaches you know, for me, it's it's control what you can control, and 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 uh, you you can't just you know go in a hole on the things you can't. You, you know, once you call a play, it's kind of left up to the players. Hopefully, they've been schooled up enough that they can execute it and and uh, be successful. I'm sure you're proud of the way the guys did respond, though, on the road in a tough season to do what they did on Friday night. And I know the celebration had to be genuine, and the hope is we got two more of those celebrations to come. It was, for sure. You know, it's, a, it's never easy to win on the road. And uh, we had a great fan support group there. I mean, it looked like a high school game where our bleachers were yeah. blue and theirs were red. Yeah. And uh, to have that energy from our fans was awesome. And, and uh, a genuine celebration because of, you know, Joe's first start and the guys were behind him and, and just the way we played the game with, with passion and pride. Um that goes a long way in a win. Well, congrats on that win. It was fun to see, and hopefully uh, two more of those to come starting this Saturday home to UMass. Yeah, they're a tough team. They play physical and give you a lot of different looks on defense, so we're going to have to be sharper and ready for man coverage. All right, we'll look for that on Saturday. It is BYU home to UMass. It'll be an 11 a.m. pregame and a 1 o'clock kick for the Cougars and the Minutemen. All right, for Coach Ty Detmer and Elisa Tuiaki in the first half hour, I'm Greg Rubel. Thanking you for tuning in. We'll see you next Monday on the Coordinator's Corner, BYU Radio, ESPN 960, BYU Football Facebook Live. So long. <laughs>